Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen, joined today by good friend Mason from Buffalo. Mason, thank you so much for joining me per usual. How you doing, my friend? Pretty good. It's actually a pretty nice warm day here in Buffalo. A little rainy, but getting almost up to 60, so I'll freaking take it. And uh, joining us today, a rising uh, Utah media superstar, the executive producer of the Utah State Aggies for the Zone Sports Network. It is uh, Christian Esparza joining the program. Uh, first time of hopefully many going forward. There's uh, a lot of stuff me and Christian have in common, including being a Broncos fan. We'll be talking a little bit of Broncos news today as our quarterback is in the news for unfortunate reasons uh and uh yeah christian how you doing man i'm good i'm excited um most of the time when i do podcasting it's kind of on my own but it's i need to it's good to get out and branch off and join other shows so i'm pumped and i'm hoping we can do this quite a bit absolutely uh you do have your own podcast christian aspires to sports go check that out on spotify iTunes will probably tweet out a link of your latest show uh, in a in our thread for this episode. But yeah, man, it, it's it's good. How are you guys doing? Obviously, today is a big day for the NBA. Not so much the NFL. Kind of always a quiet day Thursday before the Super Bowl. Before Friday shifts to everyone's talking about how the big game will play out on Sunday. Um, I wanted to start with a hypothetical. Obviously, the big news of the NBA trade deadline was that Kevin Durant got traded to the Phoenix Suns. Saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, hey, the NFL needs more of this. The NFL needs these big stars moving in big trades. And so I just wanted to ask, what right now, say March 14th or whatever when the league year opens when teams are allowed to trade again uh obviously we saw a lot of movement last year what big asset this year would you define as the level of kevin durant i was thinking aaron Rodgers, but i i almost think that's too small a name compared to what just transpired in the nba because kevin durant is like a top five overall NBA player and he just got moved uh I was wondering who what you think an equivalent trade in the um NFL might look like and I'll 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 go to you first here Mason um I think the one name that comes to my mind that if they got traded I think like their value at their position plus like the newsworthiness of it might kind of get us there and I think that would be like Justin Jefferson because, mm. you know, he he's top five wide receiver, hard to really question that. And then to watch another top five wide receiver walk away from the Vikings in a trade would be pretty monumental in the course of five years. I think that would probably get a lot of pop. I think that's a that's a very, very fair point. I probably would have gone maybe a quarterback. What, I wonder where, where you lean, Christian. I think, and this is one, um, I think, Justin Jefferson's going to be in Minnesota quite a while. I mean, my mom's from Minnesota, so maybe I'm a little biased, but one that I mean is a very real situation right now is Lamar Jackson. Um, one of the most electrifying players in the league. Obviously he was hurt last year. I do want to point out, um, I think Aaron Rodgers would be a big deal. Like he had a down year last year, but before that he was back to back MVP. So I guess we'll see if, you know, it was a down year or this really is a decline. I think he will have a comeback season if he is shipped to say the Raiders or the Jets, but I think all eyes are on either Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson right now, because that would be, especially if Lamar Jackson gets moved somewhere. I don't know. The Vikings are an option. The Dolphins, maybe if Tua decides to retire uh, New York jets or even the Detroit lions, like there are so many possibilities that, if one of these teams goes out and trades for a superstar quarterback like Lamar Jackson has that MVP on his resume and the teams I listed kind of already have good, good groups of weapons. Like that would be unreal. He would make the Vikings incredible. I oh think. my that gosh. Would be... Yeah. 
I, I talk about it with my brother like every single day. I'm like, dude, I, I wish I, I feel like that's not a super realistic thing just because of money, but if they could swing it, like they should go all for it. It makes sense. I mean, Kirk Cousins, while not great, you could probably lessen the brunt of first round draft picks you have to give up. You could probably swing off, swing a Lamar Jackson trade for like a first and like two seconds in Kirk Cousins, probably. Would that look I realistic think... or, or would you still need the two firsts, do you think? I like just basing off of, I mean, the most recent quarterback trade we've seen is Russell Wilson, obviously two first, two second, and then two starting caliber players and a backup quarterback. Um, I think the Vikings would probably be looking at, especially because Lamar Jackson is a lot younger, probably two first round picks, maybe two second round picks. And then Kirk on top of that. I I think that would probably be the baseline, but Mm. I don't know who knows because the Vikings are immediately going to have to hand over a huge contract to Lamar Jackson. So maybe they say like, Hey, if we're going to have to pay all this money, maybe we have to, maybe you take one second round pick. <clears throat> I, I don't think the Ravens would get anything less than two first round picks for Lamar Jackson though. I think the whole situation is kind of tough and murky too with like the Ravens aren't necessarily super motivated to move on. So they're oh, definitely yeah. going to wait for a package that they want. And on top of it, it's not like Lamar Jackson has an agent who can be walking around to these teams yep. and trying to like facilitate making a deal. He would have to be doing that and he, he can't really be. Yeah. So like, he's kind of almost hamstrung himself from being able to help his team get him a trade that he wants. So I, it, man, it really does make that situation kind of muddy. Yeah. I, I do want to point out. Um, so they just announced Justin Jefferson, one offensive player of the year. Sounds about right. That yeah. was just uh, tweeted that. out. That, By the way, that shocked me that tonight's NFL honors, I thought it was always on Saturday night. I guess. Yeah. I guess this is a nice, like. It's fun. Cause we can get live reactions. Yeah. We it. can get some live. Re- <laughs> I mean, offensive player of the year. I mean, I'd say that's, that's as good as you can get for a wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. he was he, he was pretty good this year. I mean, he was one of the way they do MVP voting now is the top five. And he was one of those candidates for MVP. So pretty yeah. cool that he even got in into that list. Uh, did they, do you know if they've released uh, the order in which offensive player of the year uh came out because i know they said they were going to release that as well so justin jefferson got 35 votes patrick mahomes got 10 jalen hurts got three josh allen got one and tyreek hill got one okay i'm a little surprised tyreek hill only got one vote to be honest i i thought there would be really like made that team go yeah i thought there would maybe be a chance that he'd win it over justin jefferson but you guess uh you know who kind of fell off in, in that whole Miami situation down down the stretch is, is Jalen Waddle. He yeah, he, he had st- some quiet games. He started the year on an absolutely insane pace up to about week eight or nine. And then the second half of the season, there were some games where he just didn't show up as much. I think you could put that on maybe not having a quarterback, but still it, it yeah. feels like he, he kind of disappeared a little bit sometimes. Do you guys think Tua should consider retirement? I mean, I it, if I were in his position, I probably would be just because, like, the breadth of injuries he's taken over such, like, a short period of time. Yeah. And with so many of them being head injuries, that would scare the crap out of me. Like, Because it's not just well, the three concussions this I year. I also don't have the, the mentality to get into the NFL. So, like, I yeah. might not be the great baseline on that either. But, no, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it's, it's from before the NFL, too. And, like, you hate to label somebody as injury-prone. But man, he gets hurt a lot. And yeah. like, you almost got to take that a li- little bit. Just like, do I want to be 35 with the body of a 70 year old and early on dementia? Or do I want to maybe just like take the money I've already earned and try to parlay that into a life that can be better than that? Hmm. You know, from the interpersonal thing that it feels like I would do it, but. 
you yeah, know, I, I don't have that love to do something like that because like that takes so much of your life to get to something like that. And that's got to be hard to give up. Yeah, I think for reports that are saying he's that came out about two or three weeks ago that said that they plan on him coming back. We're, we're really short sighted one because of the injuries and two, because like there was very well documented reporting by the athletic last off season that he was having discussions with his family about maybe not coming back this year. I mean, it, it seems like there's some real breadcrumbs that he might walk away. That wouldn't shock me, but I wonder what the timetable is. If, yeah. if maybe because I see it playing out one of two ways. Maybe he, you know, either he, within the next three weeks before the new league season starts, tells the Dolphins, hey, I'm I'm walking away. This is it for me. Or he, sa- he convinces himself, hey, I'm going to go through OTAs. And then we get another Andrew Luck situation where maybe we get two or three games into preseason next year. And he's just like, I, I don't know why I'm doing this anymore. And he, he wants to hang it up. I, I, I think it's really interesting, the timeline. I would then say the I Dolphins would, are screwed, too, if that happens. Yeah, I would say I would not be surprised if Tua retires between here and, like, next October. I think another injury could do it, too. I think mm. there could be a potential that he might say, I want to come back. And if... God forbid he suffers another head injury or even, you know, an injury of any kind, but severe enough to keep him out for a few games. I think then maybe he takes another hard look, but I do think there's something to be said about it being really hard to walk away from NFL, like NFL top caliber uh, quarterback money, which is, Mm what could potentially be in his future. And I'm not saying he's an elite quarterback, but like he's at least going to be making the money Kirk Cousins is making if he gets a second contract. Like that, that it's it's hard to walk away from 40 million a year for the next at least five years. Like, but to me, the Cousins deal is the absolute floor of what to his next deal has to look like because she was a better player than Cousins. And, you know, it, it's been proven that in this system and with these players, he, he can provide a lot of value. So uh, I, I I do wonder if he maybe tries to stick it out and this decision maybe comes midseason next year. It's just something I, I, I kind of I kind of think about in, in that retrospect. And I think, yeah, definitely if Tua walks away, then it's all eyes on the Dolphins for Lamar Jackson. I think that would be he's from Florida. Um, I think he wants to return to Florida and play there. I think he likes his home state. Obviously, the Dolphins are probably the best team in Florida. Um, that, that would be a great landing spot for Lamar. Also, Nick Bosa, Defensive Player of the Year, just announced that. Uh, 46 votes for Nick Bosa, two for Hassan Reddick, one for Quinnen Williams, one for uh, Chris Jones. Micah Parsons did not get a vote. Wow. That's crazy. That's yeah. absolutely crazy. But Micah, Micah Parsons Par- was my pick. Yeah. Micah Parsons would have been my pick as well. That but Nick Bosa led the league in sacks. So that's not a, I'm, it, it was honestly a toss up for me between Parsons and Bosa. I don't know. I, to me, there's was no defensive player this year that had more impact on the team than Micah Parsons did. Uh, he, he would have been my pick for sure. Uh, I get that the Nick Bosa pick gets flashy. I do think even though this is these are regular season awards, I do think voters get caught up in the postseason stuff, even though – but I, I don't know if that's even true because I think they take these – they collect votes before the postseason starts. So I, it's just – it's difficult to tell. But, you know, Nick Bosa, good year, sure. But I, I would have gone with Micah Parsons. He just does so much more as a defensive player. Interesting to see Quinn and Williams in there. Sneaky, sneaky trade candidate this year. If the Jets decide they don't want to pay Quinn and Williams what Quinn and Williams thinks he's worth, I think he could be a guy that could get moved. I mean, the, he, he because he, he has said openly that he won't be participating 
in OTAs or their offseason programs if he doesn't have a new contract. And it sounds like the reports are that he wants Aaron Donald type money. And I mean, he should get it. He's that good of a player. But I, I think there's a chance that the Jets with their ownership and looking at bringing in Aaron Rodgers or, or whatever, if they say, hey, we want to put you on the tag, which could be the route they go or well actually i think he'd be up for an extension this year right or is he an unrestricted free agent that's that's something that's escaping my mind right probably now. a tag i don't think he's been tagged yet um if someone can look that up while we're talking here um i, I do think that he's a guy that the Jets could deal because you could get a ton of value for a player like him in a trade. And I don't think Joe Douglas, even though it, it, he's a cornerstone of Robert Solid's defense, I, I think Joe Douglas, you know, is draft minded enough that he'd be willing to do that deal. And, and especially if you could potentially flip that deal into a quarterback and use the picks you get from Quinn and Williams for your quarterback position. I, I think if things were to ever devolve, that could happen. But I, I do think we're a, we're a little ways away from that. That's just speculation at this point. Quinn and Williams is up for a an extension this year, but he is still under contract. Yeah, yeah. But he does have a cap hit of uh, nine million dollars. So, yeah. So could they tag him though? If they like, if a long term deal doesn't no, because no, I think they would have to wait until next year. Agents, yeah, yeah, oh, that, okay, that okay. won't be until twenty twenty four. So, oh, okay, right. So that he's going into his fifth year option. Correct. Okay, so okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and it's, I've had a lot of fun. You know, you said he wants Aaron Donald money, like. Edge rushers were the big deal with Von Miller in like the early 2010s because Von Miller specifically had such a big impact on the Broncos Super Bowl. But like then comes Aaron Donald and now we've got Chris Jones and we're starting to see all these interior defensive linemen who are having a huge impact on the game. Vita Vea yeah. with the Buccaneers, Jeffrey Simmons. He's with the another Titans. guy probably up for an extension this year. Yeah, and it's like you've got all these big defensive tackles that are like, Hey, we can be just as disruptive in the pass game as a, as an elite edge rusher. So it's Aaron Donald has paved the way kind of, but yeah, Quinn and Williams definitely up there with those, uh, the best interior defensive linemen in the league. Mm, yeah. Uh, who, who were the other, uh, others receiving votes other than, uh, Williams, uh, and Bosa. I lost um, the other three names. Hassan Reddick. Okay. Makes sense. He had a and great Chris year. Chris Jones. Yeah. I mean, both those make sense. Yeah. And Bradford was just telling us the other day, remember, Mason, that he thinks Chris Jones is up for an extension this this offseason. So uh, I wouldn't make sense. I would expect maybe a Chris Jones payday to be coming too this offseason. Uh, but with the cap going up too the cap yeah that that is something to discuss uh where the nba kind of still has to worry about the salary cap but the the nfl does not uh the cap has gone up i believe it went up by 30 million this year uh pretty substantial that's basically a star player that you could (laughs) add to literally any roster in the league, uh, one thing that came up on the podcast that both um, Mason and I listened to be around the NFL podcast that I wanted to discuss here is, do you think we're going to get to a point where the NFL just accepts an MLB type model and some owners just keep the cash, you know, that they're making from the cap going up every year? And some teams are just known as spenders and other teams just build through the draft more and don't spend as much in free agency. I mean, we kind of have that to an extent right now, but do you think there's a, you know, like a team like the Cowboys, for example, like Jerry Jones has never been afraid to go out and spend money. Like. I think think we're already there. I think it already exists. I think that the cap is uh, it's a play number. And it, it might limit certain things, but you hear certain GMs talk about it. I've heard Brandon Bean talk about it a whole lot. And you've heard even the NFL insiders talk about it. 
uh, the differentiator between teams with it, when it comes to like the cap, it's your willingness to spend afterwards. Bonuses aren't included in cap numbers. There's so many different things that you can do with your players to make sure that they get the paydays that they want without worrying about it hitting that cap number that you want. And the owners that care about it, they spend the money. They don't give a crap about it. They give their GM the authority to make the deals that make sure the player gets to be happy and that cap number gets to be sustainable so that they can keep playing with it. Because, I mean, right now, the bottom uh 12 teams as far as cap space are concerned are all negative 7 million or lower dropping down to some of them at negative 55 negative 57 million dollars in cap space right now and that's all going to get worked out by the end of the year and they're still going to sign some players and they're still going to make some moves and especially because it's the new orleans saints they yeah. play with money like no team plays with money yeah the saints like if you don't think the Saints aren't going to probably trade for Derek Carr within like the next 72 hours and then give him a massive extension, like you're crazy. Like, yeah, they're gonna do that's that just the way that's going to happen. Cap on the books right now. Yeah. Well, do you guys remember, like, uh, not this past offseason, but the offseason before, the Chiefs had like $147 in cap space. And so <laughs> they were like past the limit, past the date where you could be under the salary cap. Like, they still had to to meet the salary cap, but they basically had like $147, I think was the number because they gave Patrick Mahomes a deal, uh, Travis Kelsey, blah, blah, blah. But you're totally right, Mason. Like you hear manipulating the cap and that's what these smart GMs do. They kind of front load these contracts or, I mean, I guess they'll, they'll have lower cap hits um, in the first couple of years, but obviously make the player happy by paying them a really big cash bonus, which is not counted against the cap. Then you'll see in the later years of that contract, there will be astronomical numbers. You mentioned the Saints. I believe right now Michael Thomas is slated to have the highest cap hit in the NFL at like 59 million or some somewhere in the 50 million cap range is what Michael Thomas's cap hit is supposed to be. Of course, they can cut him. And they're going to do that because it's going to save them a, a bunch of money. But that's just an example of, I believe, Taysom Hill's contract. Also sitting at $25 million. Who's that? Cameron Jordan is sitting at $25 million. Marshawn Lattimore sitting at $22 million. What's Ryan Taysom Ramsack Hill? Is he right there? Taysom Hill's at thirteen nine. Mm. Yeah. That's crazy <laughs> that Taysom Hill is making $13 million. That's absolutely <laughs> nuts. He should not be making near that no, amount of money. <laughs> that's, his, that's his cap hit. <laughs> oh my yeah, that's his. He's wow. likely making more than that because Sean Payton loved him some Taysom Hill. Yeah. Um. So offensive r- rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year were announced. Both Jets, Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner. I mean, Sauce Gardner, that's a no-brainer. I mean, yeah. if it if it weren't for their quarterback room, that was a team that could have genuinely done some damage. Yeah, that that's that's a no brainer. Garrett Wilson, who else got votes? Uh, they haven't released the voting list. I predicted, or I I hoped it would have been Kenneth Walker. Mm-hmm. I thought he had a pretty big impact, but of course, the quarterback struggles um, in New York made it hard for Garrett Wilson to be more consistent, but. Yeah, I, mean, I think Kenneth really, Walker had a really good year as well. He, he Wilson's another guy where he really slowed down in the second half. He yeah. had a really good first five weeks, and then he kind of disappeared. I think voters get caught up in like the front half of the year with the offensive rookie of the year sometimes, Personally, well, especially uh, the New can, York market. But yeah, can I can I just say something crazy? Personally, if I had to vote, I would have given it to Brock Purdy. Like, mm, I don't agree with that because same thing instead of just being enamored with the first half of the season in Brock Purdy's situation, he only played what, like four regular season games. Yeah. So okay, it's, it's the same situation. I think Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Walker, I feel like was the most consistent offensive rookie. And I mean, he didn't see substantial playing time until I think it was like week three or week four, even still. But I feel like once he took over that role, he was pretty consistent. But I do think I get why you would say Brock Purdy. Now, if they gave out a postseason like rookie award for like mm. the, the the totality of the postseason, I don't even care what anybody did in the Super Bowl. I would still give it to Brock Purdy because That's he plays nails. Choice. 
Uh, but yeah, otherwise, with only four games, that's that's a really tough pick to make. So sucks for him, but because he was really good, if he, he could was. have sat that out, and he didn't lose he, a game, which makes it no, hard. he did not. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, he had the only game he ever lost, he couldn't feel one of his arms. That's true. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that. By the way, we can talk about this for a second here. Do you guys see that report today that the starting job is basically his to lose next year? That seems generous to me, though. Tommy John surgery usually takes, like, baseball players at least 12 months. I don't know if he's going to be ready for next year. I think with his situation, I don't think it's even been confirmed if he's going to get surgery, number one. I think he's still meeting with multiple doctors. And then number two, I think from what I've seen, I mean, I'm no doctor, but, like, football the throwing motion is a lot different than baseball and when a pitcher gets that tommy john surgery it kind of restricts um you know that snap that they have to have with their elbow because that ligament gets so tight after the surgery whereas football it's it's a little bit of a different motion i've never i haven't done research to see like if an nfl quarterback has ever had to have tommy john surgery and how it impacts their career and how different the recovery is compared to a pitcher. But I don't know. I think, I think he'll be playing, um, especially considering we're in his shoes. Like if, if he does have to miss a whole year and say Trey Lance comes in and does good, then that's probably it for Brock Purdy. Like he, he might get a shot somewhere else, but I doubt, I honestly doubt he can recreate that success in a different system. Just because he was a seventh round pick. Hmm. It would appear Jake, Jake DeLome and possibly also Rob Johnson had uh, Tommy John surgery. Jake DeLome. I have heard of him. So, I just think, uh, but that that's pulling names out of a hat. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I couldn't I, tell you a whole I, lot about the career. I still think the Niners quarterback, situation this offseason is crazy interesting to oh learn. yeah because, because you've got the guy that you traded three first round picks to go up and draft versus the guy that like we just said he didn't lose a game until the conference championship and like here's a crazy theory that lots of nfl media people have had over the past few days but tom brady has said he's not going into the booth until 2024 what are the chances we just get to october and the niners just look like they're a quarterback away and they call tom brady and he just signs for a veteran minimum to to play with the 49ers like his what, child. is he gonna like call a quarterback friend of his to come play quarterback for them because end of the year he was looking a little rougher i know but but still i mean i would it shock you to see him play again like no especially, no, it shock me a little bit. no no one no and as, i hate that so much as, especially with the fact that he's not going into the booth till 2024 i misread that report at first i thought that meant like he just wasn't going into the booth like for the Super Bowl, he was waiting until next season started. But, like, the fact he's sitting out a whole year, like, I get he's uber competitive, but does he really need a whole year of watching football to get ready to be Fox's number one analyst? It's like, I, I don't know. It's Maybe he's yeah. setting up other business stuff on the side because he's got a lot of other side stuff that he does. Yeah. It honestly wouldn't surprise me if he did say, you know – I came back last year after I retired. Let me just leave this year open in case something happens. Because I, I honestly do think that situation that you brought up, Eric, specifically the 49ers, the, you know, he's from San Francisco. Yeah, right. There were he's, rumors about him wanting to play in yeah. San Francisco his whole career. Like that is a very real possibility. Say Brock Purdy can't play and Trey Lance What was that? Kyle Shanahan's system with Tom Brady. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, and you're playing in a weak NFC, like you immediately become basically the favorites. 
No, so I don't necessarily hate though the idea of them saying like it's Brock Purdy's job to lose. Like I understand, you know, things could change, especially with surgery and stuff like that. But I think if they saw him make like the cerebral decisions that they wanted versus what they've seen from their other options thus far, I don't see why they wouldn't stick with him because you find a guy who can do what you want him to do every time. And then I, I saw a report, it was Bill Belichick talking about Tom Brady. So, you know, obviously, great assault with the comparison and everything. But what he loved about Tom Brady was he would come off the field and he would be like, well, what happened out there? And he would just list like eight different things that he saw, you know, a linebacker do and the safety dropped. And, the, you know, this wasn't where I thought it was going to be. So I threw it here thinking that this was what was going to happen. He's like, and then we would go to the room and we would rewatch that play. And it would literally happen in the exact order that he brought it up to him every single time and he's like just his recall and so if you find somebody who sees the game and I mean for him it was a way that he hadn't seen it before but like who understands the game in a similar way that you do and is willing to make the decisions the way that you make your decisions as well like you tie yourself to that guy because you know he's the one who's going to make your system really flourish yeah and I like agree. Uh, just a more nuanced take so I can kind of have my own like what if it chances he gets through and he's like, I don't want to go into like, what if it chances? I mean, he's tight with Robert Kraft. He and Belichick, I, I know there's stuff there or whatever, but like, are you telling me that like, if Tom Brady called up Bill Belichick and said, Hey, let me work under you and be your quarterbacks coach. Like Bill Belichick is saying no. Yeah. Like, I, uh, no, there's no way. I mean, I, I don't think anybody would say no. I think he could yeah. literally call 32 teams and say, I'd like to be your quarterbacks coach. And any one of them would fire whoever that guy was. <laughs> so they did just release the, the voting for offensive rookie there. This is actually pretty interesting. Kenneth Walker finished with more first place votes. Uh, he got 19 first place votes to Garrett Wilson's 18 except based on the new voting system this year, Garrett Wilson still wins. He finished with 18 first place votes, 19 second place votes. Wow. And nine third place votes. And those they're all weighted. So we had a, a total of 156. Kenneth Walker had 19 first place votes, eight second place votes and 10 third place votes for a total of 129. Mm. That's tight. It's a tight one. So yeah, who were the other three names? Uh, Brock Purdy came in third oh. place, six first place votes, and then twelve and twelve. And then Chris Olave finished with five first yeah, place very votes, good. and then six, and then seven. Olave, I was super excited to watch him coming out of Ohio State, and he kind of got screwed over with same thing, bad quarterback play. I but really he, think he Derek was by, Carr is going to be a big difference there. Yeah, but he was by far the Saints' best wide receiver. Oh, yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, like He was far and away their best offensive player because even Kamara had a bad year, and that's with freaking Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. I'm really excited to see what Derek Carr can do. Yeah. I love how we're talking about that trade like it's totally dumb. But it does feel no, like that. Right now, we've already written it down. It does it, feel like that trade's totally done, right? Like I Well, so that let's talk about that. Like, it's basically up to Derek Carr. Um, I read they had to agree basically on a trade. The Raiders and the Saints did before the Saints could speak with Derek Carr. So it's up to Derek Carr now to say yes or no. Do we think that's the best place for Derek Carr or would say the Jets be better? So Derek Carr has a no trade clause? Yes. Good on Derek Carr. I mean, not surprising. He's a franchise quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, good on Derek Carr's. I, I wouldn't, if I were a DM, I would not have agreed to a no trade clause with Derek Carr. I mean, I think when you're dealing with the franchise quarterback, you almost have to throw it in there because none of them is going to agree to be able to be shoved wherever into some absolute you know destitute franchise randomly russell wilson would be a bear right now if no trade clause if he if he didn't have a no trade clause yeah i guess that's true um i wanted to say on this one um i lost my train of thought wow that's embarrassing um sometimes you hit a cow what were we even talking about 
are is the Saints the best landing spot for Derek oh, Carr? No, I wanted to mention something in my reporting on that. He had a visit oh. with the Panthers, but he canceled it. Oh, so, I, so there he is. So I put that no trade clause to use. So I do think that the Saints sold him. Like I, I just yeah. I think by the Super Bowl or by the Monday after we hear about a Derek Carr trade. I just feel like that's coming. So hmm. uh, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see see how, how that plays out. All right. Well, we're, we're waiting for MVP, I'm guessing, which is coming next. Or, or do you know? I don't know when they they typically do that last. So or do they? Well, I, yeah, I honestly I, don't watch NFL honors. I yeah, just follow I don't either. Um, I guess coach of the year is probably coming up. Coach of the year. They'll probably announce Walter Payton man of the year. Has um, comeback player of the year been no. decided yet? Okay, that's got to be Gino, by the way. No other choice for me. You think over Christian McCaffrey? Mm, yeah, I mean, Gino. My biggest thing is, like, what did Geno Smith come back from? Like, that, he came it, back from being a backup quarterback. People get – it doesn't matter. They're, I know the storyline is what matters, but this I'm is, with him on that one. This like, is such a narrative award. Being yeah, I guess that's I guess that's fair. Like okay. McCaffrey had two back-to-back season injuries, but I like for the place this podcast has gone, kind of touching on a lot of different NFL stuff. I did want to talk briefly about one of the reasons we're here, though. Super Bowl storylines while we wait for maybe two or three awards to come in here. Um I'm still having trouble putting some of these together, but I know that yeah, you, you know, Christian. You're you're a big fan of of the NFL, and I get did give you this rundown earlier. So I wanted to see what you came up with. What are like some of the top storylines you're looking forward to in this year's Super Bowl? So I was thinking about this earlier today, and I think the one I'm most excited for, and it's hard because you know, diehard Broncos fan, and you're not supposed to you know like the Chiefs and like division rivals, whatever. But as I'm trying to break through in the media, I've got to push all that aside. I look at at Patrick Mahomes right now, and I feel like this is a big legacy game for Patrick Mahomes because as of right now, he and Andy Reid and the Chiefs are one and one in the Super Bowl. Okay, so Patrick Mahomes, if they lose this weekend, I feel like that kind of damages the whole the hype train that has been chugging along, even if he wins MVP tonight and all that. It's like, yeah, but he's still one and two in the Super Bowl. I feel like that puts kind of a blemish on his legacy um, versus, say, he wins the Super Bowl. Then you're talking about, okay, Patrick Mahomes, this young quarterback, two and one in the Super Bowl, uh, five straight AFC championship appearances. So I, I think that there's a lot more at stake for Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Chiefs than there is for the Philadelphia Eagles. Does that make uh, sense? Yeah, we brought the same question up to Bradford yesterday. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, we, uh, kind of as a troll to our good uh, uh, Chiefs correspondent of this podcast. Yeah. And he, he roundly laughed us off as saying there is like no merit to that. But I do buy it. I mean, I I to, don't get how to, you could say there's no merit to that. Like to, I, I to go to five AFC championship games and only have one Super Bowl, you do have exactly. to kind of start questioning like, can you really get it done in the big game? Like Tom Brady because that three matters. appearances to the Super Bowl, you know, one three straight. Like it's yep, it, it does matter. And if if Patrick Mahomes, by the time it's all said and done, wants to be talked about in the same breath or above Tom Brady in the GOAT discussion. He has to have something to his legacy. And I think that's part of Peyton Manning's biggest knock is, yeah, Peyton Manning has all the MVPs, but you look at his at his Super Bowl record. What is it? Two and one or two and. I think he lost more than one Super Bowl, right? No. Yeah. Lost with the Broncos. Lost with. Oh, yeah. So two and two. So at least two and two. I think he might be two. But regardless, that's his biggest. That's Peyton Manning's biggest blemish is that you know he doesn't have the the Super Bowl rings that Tom Brady does so you look at at Patrick Mahomes and if he starts his career one and two in the Super Bowl it's like 
people are going to remember that. And it's it's really hard to get back to the Super Bowl. We don't know if he's ever going. I mean, you'd like to think that they're going to make it back a few more times if they are the the new dynasty. But it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like this is a really big deal that I'm surprised hasn't been talked about as much by the national media is the the dynasty side of this for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting one to keep an eye on. I I would say uh, <clears throat> one storyline I'm I'm interested. Actually, building off that is I do think you make a good point. I think right now we can all agree that Patrick Mahomes is a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's definitely the best quarterback we've seen at his height over the past ten years. Uh, I I would say even from a pure like physical play standpoint, I would say even Brady at his best physically was nowhere near what Patrick Mahomes has been. And he has one Super Bowl, So no doubt hall of famer. I do think a second Super Bowl starts to elevate him into, okay, now where do we put him on like the top five quarterbacks of all time? Because yeah. if, if you have two Super Bowls, you can go into that conversation because I mean, Peyton Manning, we we have that conversation about him. He only had two Super Bowls, and one of them, honestly, he didn't even win. Like John Elway, two Super Bowls, you know, a, a bunch of players that we view as top five all-time quarterbacks have more than one Super Bowl. And, you know, we still talk about, you know, Aaron Rodgers only has one Super Bowl. And yep. now you look at what the the discussion is, on Aaron, the discourse around Aaron Rodgers at the end of his career is no longer right now. He's one of the best five quarterbacks of all time. Like, I think he's fallen out of that conversation. Like now it's just, can he rebound to what he once was? And, you know, I, I think that's something that's very interesting. And Bo Bradford may not want to admit it. And I, I do think winning another Super Bowl is important to his legacy because especially giving him the contract that you gave him over five years. Like I think Kansas city chiefs fans would be lying to you if they said they didn't expect more than one super bowl. Oh, that's exactly where you're at. If you're going to be this dynasty and yeah, five straight AFC championships, uh, but they lose one of those super bowls. They lose the Bengals last year. If you lose the super bowl this year, then that's like three straight years of disappointment. Yeah. You're asking for nothing short of Super Bowl rings when you have this this franchise player in Mahomes. Yeah, uh, the pressure on the if you're just talking about pure who has more pressure on them. Oh, the Eagles have no pressure. Yeah, the the Eagles are ahead of schedule. We yeah. talked about this with with uh, our guests on, on Tuesday. Like the the window could be the next two years for them. Like the the chiefs need to win this game. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah or, or else there does become a conversation. Can Patrick Mahomes win the big one? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, like, I've seen a lot of people say that's one of Andy Reid's biggest knocks is he chokes in big games, right? Which True. obviously if he Reed loses, if he loses this game, which not only for everything that we've already talked about, but then you throw in the little wrench that of course it's a revenge game against his former team. That only adds that narrative. You agree with all that, Mason? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, honestly, I think that kind of leads into the storyline that, you know, I'm looking kind of forward to, too. And it's kind of that Andy Reid versus Andy Reid a little bit because, you know, it's a very different team. It's been a long time since he's been there. But you still see like a little bit of the core that he established still there. I mean, you've got Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox both still on defense that were drafted when he was there and you still got Jason Kel or yeah, Jason Kelsey on offense. And so, you, you know, while he's gone and there's been multiple coaches who have been through there and stuff, people that he, you know, found quality in and that he helped develop a little bit are still there who take some of his mentality with them. And so now he's got to take people who do know him extremely well and, and have to now combat them in ways that maybe he, he, you know, wouldn't normally have to with other teams. And I think it's going to be a really uh, cool matchup that you'll see on that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and I haven't done research on this, but it's like, how many times have we seen a coach face his former team in the Super Bowl? Like that doesn't happen. I, I can't think off the top of my head 
if that's happened recently at all. I don't think it has. But it's like it's a pretty big deal because they kind of ran Andy Reid out of town and then he landed in Kansas City and immediately transformed them into what we have today. So yeah, it, that's that's a huge deal and a lot of people were like, "Oh, this is getting talked about too much," but I don't think it is. <laughs> like people are kind of sick of hearing it, but for Andy Reid, this is probably going to be other than maybe his first Super Bowl, like this is probably going to be the biggest game of his life. Yeah, put down the team that that, you know, told him he wasn't good enough to get the job done. Yep. Yeah, you know, I I think that that is a fair point to uh, be making. All right. I think with that, that those are some good storylines to, to check in on. Uh, uh, I did just, you know, Bradford wouldn't be happy if we skipped this. Uh, I assume we've seen the Russell Wilson news, uh, Mason, or, or, or is this just me? That saw this today and was like, "Oh, the hits just keep coming." <laughs> oh, is it? Uh, I, I briefly saw something about his charity. Is it? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. So oh, no. it turns out Russell Wilson's like charity for children's hospitals. It, he's like skimming like three fourths of that money for himself, likely, and like, uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I just, you know, I I tweeted it out. I quote tweeted it. I just said, man, it's just keep coming. So once once again, tough, tough, tough day to be a Broncos fan. So, yeah, I I know Bradford would want us to mention that. So, yes, uh, it's it's unfortunate that a guy who is widely considered an NFL good guy may, may in fact, not not be you know such a, a a great guy all the time. I mean, great that a fourth of that is going to charity, but you know, pro- probably more than that should be should be going to charity. So that's uh, that's a that's a that's a tough one to swallow. I know Christian probably doesn't have a comment on this, as as this is more <laughs> just me diving into Broncos sadness as I like to do from time to time. Uh, but I yeah, do think I my only look. question with that is like, do you think Russell Wilson actually knew about that? Like, do you honestly think Russell Wilson runs yeah. that charity, or do you think he has somebody else run it? That's that's my only thing with that. Russell Wilson should know what his charity is doing, at least. That's true. And that's I, a good I mean, point. If not, but, I mean, it's terrible negligence by him. Yeah. And I don't think it's, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time thinking Russell Wilson is like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this to benefit me. Just because he doesn't need all that extra money. Like, it's it's not like... I mean, he's been paid a ton over his career. It's not like he's hurting for money and that he would need to facilitate and say, hey, let's let's take as much profit as we can while still calling this a charity. I think it's probably we got to look at who the the financial advisors are that run this charity and kind of point the finger at them. But I mean, you're right. It is. It's in Russell Wilson's name and Ciara's name. So the blame does fall on them a little bit but that's my biggest thing is i i I think russell's probably pretty hands-off with it as with most celebrities and their charities um brian dable not to change the subject but to change the subject brian dable is coach of the year (laughs) i think that's that's a great pick that's who i I picked yeah it's hard to go anywhere else with that yeah i couldn't go anywhere else with that i think i think you could make the argument that Pete carroll had a shot or but Doug Peterson. That I, Doug Nick Peterson Sirianni, I thought, might have could have. But ultimately, yeah, Dable with the the lack of talent he had on his roster to get them to the divisional round was pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Win, win a playoff game with a team that was hot garbage. Yeah. Um, oh, good for him. That's fantastic. Broncos sadness out of the way. Well, you know, I, I, I don't think maybe Russell would take nearly as much of a blame hit if it weren't for all the uh, weirdness Favre has been up to. Because now it's yeah. like, oh, good, another quarterback just stealing money from people. Yeah. 
or if it wasn't with all the weirdness that Russell has been up to within the last year, you know? Yeah. Well, that's like, fair. He's generated enough of his own bad PR. Yeah. And I think this is kind of just like a, like I'm willing to bet if you looked into other celebrity charities. Oh, of course. A lot I'm not, of them. I'm, I'm not saying that Russell Wilson is a terrible person. I'm no, just no, no, saying not like, at all. I'm just saying like, it's just a tough look for a guy who's been all like who's been look, crucified by the media and by and, social media this and year. also a guy who's always like look at how much good i do and like mm, look yeah. at me and all glory to jesus and all this stuff and then you're like potentially like skimming from your charity that like that doesn't that is, like that like, is a good point like that's that's just a really tough look i mean um so yeah. the the voting was released coach of the year brian dable 16 votes kyle shanahan in second place with 12 sean mcdermott with seven nick sirianni with six doug peterson with five andy reed with two dan campbell with one and kevin o'connell with one okay solid list yeah i think every year you're going to see shanahan and andy reed in that conversation I like what Doug Peterson did with the Jags, obviously. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's that's a fair point. Um one thing I wanted to talk about while we wait for MVP, which I'm sure is coming up next in a little bit, although we all know who the MVP will be. It will be Patrick. Well, still, Walter Payton Man of the Year comes before MVP, doesn't it? And uh, comeback yeah. player of the year still. So we might not be getting MVP until like nine-ish. Okay, yeah. But and this is not going that long. So, uh, <laughs> you know, con- congratulations. Don't it out. Congratulations to uh, Patrick Mahomes on his MVP. Unfortunately, <laughs> we know Matt since literally the All-Pro team was announced. Uh, Real quick, that's another storyline that I haven't seen talked about is Patrick Mahomes breaking the MVP curse. And obviously he hasn't been announced as MVP, but we haven't had a player win the MVP and the Super Bowl in the same year since Kurt Warner in, I think it's been 24 years. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a huge deal. Um, Obviously the MVP is either going to be Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts. So... I feel like if anything, it does just kind of speak to the idea of like being hot at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I would say Bo Bear's been no hotter player in the NFL over the past month than Patrick Mahomes. But oh no doubt. But that's no, I mean again it can totally happen as as Kurt Warner proved. And again, somebody of Patrick Mahomes caliber could absolutely do it. Just the nature of how it works out seems like that's probably very and similar. Colin Cowherd, I don't watch him a ton anymore, but I used to. He made this point a couple years ago. You look at typically the MVP is the best quarterback in the NFL. Typically, that also means they're get, getting paid a ton of money. So the roster isn't as strong enough to get to the Super Bowl, which is another big reason why you see that happen a lot. But obviously, the Chiefs this year, a little bit different. I hadn't considered that, but no, that's actually a, a really good point because, you know, it kind of falls in line with the the talks I've heard uh, of like Super Bowl windows and how they're a little bit easier when you can find a really good quarterback on their rookie contract because like you can Jaylen spend Hurts so much money on the rest of the team to, to, you know, and then it's, well, they're well overplaying their value. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it worked out with Russell Wilson. It worked out with, you know, they're, Patrick Mahomes won his first one on the rookie contract still. Works with loads of people. Eric, do you have a talking point next? Yeah, I do, actually. I wanted to ask you guys this question uh, because I I did say, you know, did see a lot of talk on Twitter. I don't know if I'm the only one that saw this today. Christian, I know you're on Twitter a lot. But, like, the NFL always loses to the NBA trade deadline wise and trades wise um but one thing that was interesting to me uh is is this point that like should nfl teams be allowed to trade future first rounders as deep into the future as nba teams do because i do feel Mm. like the rule right now is i believe the official nfl rule is you can't trade more than three years in the future but 
we're seeing like 2027, like 2029, 2028 first round picks get dealt in the NBA. If GMs could deal that kind of capital in the NFL down the road that much, like, don't you think we'd see a ton more trades, especially with with the route that teams like the Rams and, and Broncos have taken trying to get, obviously the Rams worked, the Broncos hasn't really. But do, do you think that's something that potentially owners could be considering? I don't think that would be a CBA rule. I think they could potentially make that rule change at like an owner's meeting or something. But I did think that was interesting. I do think it would promote more trading within the NFL. I'm interested to see what you guys think about that. I'm, I think for the NFL, teams have a lot, they're a lot more unwilling to part ways with a first round pick. Um, because it seems like with the NBA, you get outside of not even to the end of the lottery. It's like you get to the end of the top eight, maybe top 10. And it's like, what do you have after that? You know, but in the NFL, the NFL draft is a little bit different. It's a lot deeper in talent. And I think, yeah, the Rams did it. We've, we just saw the Broncos trade a first round pick, but I think like in reality, first round picks are valued a lot more in the NFL. And for that, it's hard because it's like on one hand, they're valued a lot more. So teams want to collect them, but on the other hand, they're valued a lot more. So I think teams would be a lot less willing to part ways with that. If that makes sense. No, I think that's a fair point. I think you'd probably have a hard time seeing too many teams take advantage of it just because, like, you don't really see too many teams take advantage of even trading one or two years into the future at this point for for people. I mean, yeah, they'll trade this year's first, but it's got to be a pretty big-name guy to even consider next year's first to to be involved in that trade. And again, I know the Rams are – a very special case, but I think at this point they're kind of, you know, more the the you know evidence that that proves the rule rather than disproves it. It's it's more teams aren't willing to take those gambles that they took and know that they can hit in those like mid rounds because not every GM really does have the track record to be able to do that. You have to, you absolutely have to hit in that two to five if you're going to yeah. be trading all your firsts away. And because now it's like, what's more valuable to the NFL franchise? Like you have the Rams, they traded away all this. They were bad. They won a Super Bowl, and then now they're bad again. So it's like, is that worth it versus some teams that might not be worth it to them? Like, yeah, you get one Super Bowl ring out of it, but then you're bad for five to ten years because of it. And I, I think NFL owners <laughs> – uh, never mind. I was going to say NFL owners are more stingy than NBA owners, but that's that's absolutely not true. But I I think I don't know. I that's it's it's tough to see NFL owners being okay with being bad on purpose. Yeah, I think too. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong because I don't watch a ton of like NBA and stuff like that. But my my understanding is there's a lot of these prospects that like from high school, it's pretty much like, oh, this kid's going to be in the NBA. He's going to be really good at it. Like that's just happening. Like it's not really a debate where like so many NFL prospects, like you can be absolutely amazing in high school. And it's like, are you going to survive college without yeah. some devastating career ending injury or just getting washed out by some kid who shows up and does a little bit better than you for a little while. And then you end up without an NFL career at all. And like, then they just can't like look into the future as deeply. It seems like, because you can't, assume like trevor lawrence is one of those like rare cases where yeah. it's oh coming out of high school into college he was touted as this kid who's going to go to the nfl and make waves and it just kind of has continued but other than that you never seem to see that as yeah, far as I mean, what i can tell from the draft yeah and like they only come around like once every like five or six years like another guy there andrew luck i mean was was a guy that that throughout the process was was pretty highly touted and you look at like um like a guy like Peyton Manning and, you know, and but Eli part of that too. Kind of I mean, around. obviously he has that, but then you have kind of like the, the nepotism angle a little bit on that one too. You know what I mean? When you've got relations that were doing it, you kind of get a little more pop 
because I assume the Manning kid's going to be pretty high up there too. And that he's probably the next one that we can look at that and like know for a fact, yeah, this kid's going to be very, very wanted in, you know, four years. But Eric, you called it uh, Geno Smith, comeback player of the year. Yeah, that's wow. the way this that's the way this goes. And uh that's the Christian, way these things go. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, second place. Oh, Geno Smith, 28 votes, by the way. McCaffrey, second place with 12 votes. Yeah, I'm not even Saquon <laughs> Barkley, third place with four votes. Brandon Graham, two votes. Nick Gates with two <laughs> votes. Jared Goff with one vote and JJ Watt with one. I, Is Nick I under- Gates, isn't he the backup Chiefs tight end? Uh, I have no. He's a guard. He is a guard. I will not lie to you. I do not know who Nick Gates is. You're right. Yeah, guard for the Giants. He's a guard for the Giants. As soon as I heard that, I was like, "Who the hell is Nick Gates?" That is weird. I've never seen not only an offensive lineman get a vote for comeback player of the year. Wasn't it two? Did you just say? So there are some Giants reporters who get votes in this, is what I'm understanding. <laughs> what did you say, Eric? Didn't you say it was two votes, or did I mishear that? Yeah, two. No. I think that's two crazy. Votes. That so he got more only, than one vote. Not only did an offensive guard get one vote, he got two votes, and not only that, it's an offensive guard that nobody knows. Like we know some guards. It's like I don't know. Weird. I've never yeah, seen that. That's a weird one. I mean, it looks like he's got a, a captaincy in some of these, so I guess maybe he's known well to them. Weird. That's a little bit nuts. All right, boys. Well, this has been fun. I think we knocked this out in about an hour. We covered a lot of different topics. I uh, don't know how I'm going to timestamp this one. It's going to be an adventure. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. This is uh this was a lot of fun. We talked about a lot of different stuff. And uh we'll be back tomorrow uh with you, me, uh and me, Mason, Bradford, and I exciting news uh from the clouds per usual, uh late to the party as he usually does. YB will be involved in our Super Bowl uh pick 'em tomorrow. We will provide in-depth analysis on the two teams going up against each other. Well, I'm going to force everyone to come with, I think, I think two prop bets is fair. Two prop bets and uh, their Super Bowl final score. Of course, that will come out probably early tomorrow night. I do think we are going to try record earlier tomorrow and get that out sooner so more people have a chance to, to listen to it. Until then. We will see you on Friday. Christian, once again, thank you so much for joining us, man. Go check out uh, Christian's podcast, CE Sports, Christian and Spars of Sports. Uh, do you want to give your your Twitter a quick shout out here? Where can other, uh, other things you might be working on? Get some plugs in here. Before just, we uh, just tag me. Okay. I'm sure because you'll upload this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll put just it on, tag me because it, it's cool. a mouthful. All right. Yeah. Cool. I will. I'll hey. Def- I'm yeah. looking forward to coming on again, though. This was fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're going to try to do a home and home later on, probably more off season wise. But yeah, uh, look for me maybe on Christian's podcast in the coming months as well. So yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And I definitely want you back on, Christian. I know. But Christian is working the most uh, grueling schedule in all of uh, sports. So yeah. Uh, Bro, it's about to be an absolute sprint for you, buddy, from here to like uh, <laughs> end of March. End of March. End of March. Yep. And then you'll get back into you know the bees will come back, and then that'll be a that'll be a slog for a little while. So, uh, lot a lot a, a lot of late nights coming for Christian as far as we go. Late nights, weekends covering uh, Utah State, but it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, but it's been fun. Thanks for coming on, man. We'll get you on again for sure. All right, until tomorrow, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace out.